0: I had a couple. I had uh, I had the Dallas Burn and and the uh, San Jose Earthquakes both interested in me right out of college in the draft, and I walked away and took a job at a fly shop for six fifty. No kidding per hour. Yeah, I left everything. There you go. The yeah, I, I just tossed it. Yeah, people thought I was nuts. My family and everybody around me is like, "What are you doing?"
1: Wow. <laughs> That was Justin Spence talking about the experience in passing up a pro soccer career in exchange for a minimum wage fly fishing job. You have entered the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. In today's episode, I interview Justin Spence, the co-owner of Big Sky Anglers in Montana and someone who has lived and fished extensively in Argentina. We talk about how to DIY your fly fishing trip in Argentina, how he turned his first guide job in New Mexico into Big Sky Anglers, and some of the local waters you might want to check out. Justin talks about flies and tech- techniques he uses in Patagonia. What's on his bucket list and upcoming spay clinics in Montana? Don't miss this as Justin talks about his experience chasing golden dorado in Argentina and how you might do it yourself. Before we jump into the show today, I wanted to see if you can fill out a quick survey. Go to wetflyswing.com/survey2 to take the 30-second survey. Or you can just click into the show notes for this episode and click on the link at the top uh, to take this super short survey. Uh, I wanted to thank you for doing this. I announced this survey a while back, but made a little boo-boo. I uh, redirected to an older survey I had going. Um, So the info was helpful, but uh, it was not the current survey. So I appreciate it. If you can uh, take this one, it should take less than 30 seconds there's just a few questions there that'd be awesome again go to wetflyswing.com slash survey two that's uh, s-u-r-v-e-y and the number two or click on the link in the show notes for this episode at the top of the page this will help me to understand um, better who's listening and help me serve uh, you and everyone out there better thanks again so without further ado here's justin spence from bigskyanglers.com how's it going justin
0: It's going great, Dave. How are you today?
1: Good, good, uh, good to have you on here. Uh, We, uh, gosh, I guess, I guess uh, we connected through Matt, um, who I had on the show. I should have had this uh, handy as far as the episodes, but we talked a little bit about, uh, oh, uh, kind of uh, single hand spay casting and things like that, and you know he's with uh, you know Big Sky Anglers and does some of the social media and management there but uh yeah he connected us and and got to talking and and realized that you're a big uh you've done a lot of traveling and some uh, kind of destination type traveling and um i've got some questions here Uh, specifically i think we're going to focus a lot on patagonia and some of the trips you've done and maybe talk about some things to help people um understand
0: what it's all about um does that sound good to you yeah that sounds great yeah matt is uh matt's a good friend we go way back you know he and I met late 90s, early 2000s here in West Yellowstone, and uh, he's actually been down to Argentina, oh, I think it was around 2004, 2005, maybe even earlier than that, and, and we had uh, done some exploring down there back then, and yeah, I'd love yeah. to uh, love to share my experiences with people. uh mostly mostly Argentina right Dave that's kind of what I've I've been uh yeah doing the last decade or so yeah
1: yeah Yeah, definitely yeah whatever um whatever sounds good I mean I think we could be pretty flexible rolling through whatever comes up here but uh yeah before we get uh, into all that maybe you can just bring us back to how you got into fly fishing and how the whole big sky angler started
0: because that's a (laughs) you know definitely a big name out there
1: man I mean (laughs) you guys are doing a lot of good stuff so maybe just talk
0: about that whole history there Sure. Uh, so, so, I got into fishing. I, I grew up in northern Idaho. I lived on the Clearwater River. Uh, I lived in Orofino. I was about eight, and uh, got the fishing bug. You know, just just living in Orofino. You know, watching watching people catch steelhead, uh, and and uh, I spent a lot of my you know summers up in the North Fork of the Clearwater area. My my dad would. Take us up, and we'd camp up, up there, and so I, I think I really got the fishing bug in that northern Idaho you know area, and uh, after, after Idaho, we ended up moving to Central America, and my dad took a teaching job in Guatemala, and so we, uh, it, was, it was a big change as a family, but we ended up yeah, I ended up going to Central America, and, and uh, the reason I'm sharing that is the the Spanish that I, I acquired in, in Guatemala as a kid. Allowed me to go to Argentina and really travel around. So that, oh, wow. that's uh, that's kind of yeah. That's why I'm sharing that is is that Spanish background really helped me. Huh. You know, probably probably took me to Argentina and kept me there rather than jumping to New Zealand, right? How, yeah. Totally. Yeah. How, how
1: did that How did that all feel? I mean, making that transition going from the U.S. Uh, down there. What was
0: What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> well, as a kid, as a kid, you just kind of adapt, right? But yeah, you know, it. Uh, I got really good at soccer, and that's um. That, that kind of, that, that, that's part of my story too. But, you know, Guatemala was, you know, I learned Spanish and learned to play soccer and I, I didn't fish much, uh, but I always, you know, any chance I could, you know, I did, did a little bit of sailfish. We we fished the Pacific for sailfish, uh, a couple of times down there as a kid and, you know, on little pongas and kind of crazy situations. Now I look back on it. We, we did some pretty, pretty wild stuff as, you know, when we were down there in the eighties. Mm -hmm. and, uh, got, got back to the States, moved back to Idaho and, you know, always wanted to fish. Fishing was something that, um, I just, uh, I think, I really think some kids are born, born fishermen. I've, uh, I've seen that here in Yellowstone as I've guided, you know, families and kids, some, some kids just have it in them. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of me. And, uh, yeah, we got back to the States and, and, uh, you know, getting into fly fishing, I, I really, uh, I I never I never planned to be a fishing guide or ever thought I was going to be be uh, working in a fly shop and it just kind of happened I I um, got a job in college in Albuquerque of all places at Charlie Sporting Goods and uh, I was I was playing soccer at the University of New Mexico and ended up fishing and uh, fishing a lot in my free time and got offered a job and. Then I ended up in West Yellowstone. There's there's a few people from New Mexico. One one guy, Eric Swanson, who has Eric's Fly Shop here, was from Albuquerque, and that's where Matt and I first met. We both worked at Eric's Fly Shop, and uh, yeah. And about the same time I was done with college, I I uh, wanted to go to Argentina. I ended up going to uh, to Argentina in 2002 with my wife and, uh, two friends from New Mexico, Nick and Taylor Stripe. And they have Nick nouns owns towels, fly shop and Santa Fe fly shop, but we had all kind of come together in New Mexico. And just at that time in life where you're, you just, you have no car payments, no house payments, no kids, and <laughs> <laughs> yep. you just want to travel, right? It's great. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I got into fishing was, or, I was always into fishing, but getting into fly fishing, my first job at a fly shot really kind of exposed me to uh, people who made a career of this. And, yeah. and then I wanted to travel, you know, I, uh, when I was done with school, I, I just, I thought, boy, there's nothing better than just getting out and seeing stuff. So Argentina was the first place I really went and I just kept finding a way back. And, uh, okay. yeah. So, yes. so that, uh, that's, that's kind of that's kind of that and you know uh, in 2006 I uh I was guiding in West Yellowstone in and tying flies and I started my own business uh the West Yellowstone fly shop I left Eric's and started my own own little shop and Matt was kind of over in Portland and uh, chasing steelhead and he came back to Montana a few years later and helped me one summer in in west and I was I was just um yeah working working every summer here and saving up money to go to argentina Hmm. and uh, i would have buddies come down and we would rent a car and go explore and uh, that kind of all you know took place over 10 years and uh, then big sky anglers came about so we haven't really got to that but that's a uh yeah, cool. Well, we can. Uh, yeah, we can. Dig we can in. get into that. Yeah, 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 for
1: sure. We can dig into that. I wanted to take uh, take us back to that. You mentioned that you played uh, soccer for, uh, I guess, the University of New Mexico. Correct. Yeah, that, yeah I, mean, I mean that's pretty good. I know from you know most people know we being uh, playing any uh, college sports, you have to be at a pretty upper upper uh, upper level. So you definitely there's one thing you picked up from your travels when you, as a kid, right, moving down south.
0: Yeah, I actually almost ended up at Oregon State playing for a guy named Jimmy Conway. And, uh, I, I, uh, he was, he was an Irish guy who was coaching at Oregon state in the nineties. And I really, I really liked Oregon state, but I, my, my wife, Rachel, she, uh, she, she wasn't able to leave New Mexico. Mm-hmm. We had kind of met and I ended up, um, staying, staying in New Mexico and, and playing there I think it was a blessing cuz I if I'd gone to Oregon State I probably never got through college with all yeah. the water. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah. so are you so did you ever have our thoughts of going
1: take it I guess people do play professionally but uh, was that not something on your mind for soccer?
0: No, it was. I I actually had um I had a couple I had uh, I had the Dallas Burn and and the uh, San Jose Earthquakes both interested in me right out of college in the draft, and I walked away and took a job at a fly shop for six fifty. No kidding per hour. Yeah, I left everything. There you go. The fish. Yeah, I, I just tossed it. Yeah, people thought I was nuts. My family and everybody around me is like, "What are you doing?" Wow, wow. Is is yeah. there some
1: money to be made in in professional soccer?
0: Today there is. Yeah. When I was when I was you know. Looking at going in, I had a couple of buddies playing and there wasn't, uh, Not you were going to do a lot to your body yep. and walk away and, and you'd make, I'd, I'd, it'd have been a good career and sure, you know, I'd probably be coaching today, but I have no regrets, you know, yeah. following the fish. Totally. That was, that was, uh, that was, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm That's glad awesome. I, yeah, yeah. And so soccer too, I guess Patagonia, you know, Argentina is a big soccer country Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's fun to go down there and kick a ball around once in a while. That's cool. That's cool. And then uh, the New Mexico Fly Shop,
0: um, you mentioned. What was the name of the first one you worked for? So the first one was Charlie Sporting Goods, and it uh, the Domenici family owned it, and it was kind of a it was a well known it was a, a, a family run business that that uh, it had a fly shop and a hunting shop and kind of a fishing department. There was a guy named Bob Girding, He was really well known. In the 70s and 80s, and did a lot of teaching and really built kind of the the fly fishing part of the shop. And I happened to walk in right when he was kind of retiring, and the this a guy named Chuck Domenici, who was the owner's son, was just taking over the fly shop and he was kind of recruiting, you know, people to kind of join him. And it was great. And I uh, I, I ended up working there with a great group of guys and Nick Strite, who's the guy. I was, I mentioned, uh, now has a shop in Taos and, and in Santa Fe. His father, Taylor Stripe, is really an incredible guy. You know, you never really hear about Taylor, but when it comes to people exploring fisheries and, uh, you know, doing stuff before it's been written about Taylor's one of those people. And he, uh, he had explored Patagonia in the early eighties hmm. and had been going down there and, and he, um, he invited Rachel and my wife Rachel, myself, and and you know Nick uh, down. We went down the year. We went to Argentina 2002, 2003, right when the economy had crashed, and we were down there in a van driving around fishing for months. We went down for two months. It was really a crazy time to be down there because that was a. I don't know if you know much about that, but yeah. that was that was the year their their whole economy kind of yeah. crashed and. They really haven't recovered since, but it was just a time where, um, yeah, we were just driving around fishing and yeah. he had been, been down there once prior and what a, what a cool time. So he, he's kind of my mentor when it comes to, you know, um, you know, really approaching the water. He taught me a lot, you know, he got it out of Taos and Northern New Mexico, Southern Colorado for the last 30 years and, uh, taught us a lot about just looking at the water and how to approach it, and it was, he he did a lot more weight fishing than floating because of you know northern New Mexico, southern Colorado waters, mm. and so we we uh I kind of always took that from him. He gave my first guide job. Mm. My, my first guide job was in northern New Mexico. Oh, it was
1: so before that, I came
0: to Montana. Is that what uh, I mean? What do you
1: think you learned or took away from that first job at, at the you know your first shop, your first
0: experiences? Well, you know. I always, so, so the, the shop in the city was kind of, you know, my first Albuquerque is, you know, you're in a city, you're in a fly shop, you don't get to fish a lot, but you talk a lot about it. And so it was kind of, it was kind of an interesting place to be because you, you know, you've, what, what, what was, well, looking back on that experience, what we did is is I got thrown into teaching fishing and if you're going to teach, you have to really learn a lot about it before you can teach it to someone and you have to learn different ways to present information and and to just relate to to you know all the different people that might might be taking your your course and so I ended up being kind of an assistant in a lot of classes for for years before I ever guided and then, when I did guide for Taylor, uh, it was small stream stuff and you know, Northern New Mexico, you don't have the hatches that you have in Montana. It's more about getting to the water and either hiking or driving a dirt road. And you don't need many flies in your box. But, you know, the teaching part of, of, of it is, is so important. And so I kind of went into guiding with, with a good kind of foundation in, in teaching, you know, just kind of casting and, you know, Equipment and knots and reading water, and so I just uh, as I came to Montana, you know, following my years in New Mexico, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I got here and it took me a couple of years. There's so much water up here, you end up really having to uh, learn all the bugs and all the different options. And it was just an eye opener when I got up here. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's um, that's cool. Yeah. So Argentina, Ar- Argentina was the playground right argentina yeah. was you know say work work all summer long save up everything i could tie flies for shops do whatever i could turn a little extra money and go down there and fish and have fun and that was pretty much you know hmm. what we did and and uh yeah so yeah argent so, yeah
1: sounds amazing i want i want to dig into uh definitely all of the uh your trips down there in argentina before i do i wanted to I was just going to note um one more thing on the fly shop because it, I think it is an interesting um experience, you know, you have there and you've had getting up to where you are. And I know a lot of people listen to the show, have thoughts of maybe getting in, you know, the industry, having a shop. And I had Scott McGarver on it uh, in episode 17 and he talked about, you know, now he's kind of a rep and he's, you know, does a little bit of guiding still, but he had a shop early on and he said the biggest challenge for him was that you know as the owner or the you know the founder or whatever you, you kind of almost get stuck in the shop because the people want you and it's hard to train other people to do a good sh- job I guess of running the shop or running that business is that something that that you've struggled with at all or h- how have you balanced you know getting out versus kind of being in the shop all the time
0: well that's 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 a that that that's very true and that's something i'm I'm aware of you know i I I had a shop for the last ten years uh, that I I owned a, a very small guide shop with some retail, and we uh, I, I guided more out of the shop than than kind of hung out in the shop with the doors open. In fact, we would close the the shop doors and and just go fishing. And, and, you know, if we were closed, we were closed. We were all just meant we were busy guiding, but that was always, that was always something I was really aware of. Cause I had worked in other shops and I saw that pattern where the owner gets just, you know, bogged down. And so what's unique about big sky anglers is that I have, I have two great partners, Joe Moore and Jonathan Heems. And when we all looked at owning a fly shop, uh, it, it made sense to do it together. And so we, uh, we really make an effort to all continue to guide, all continue to get out and we schedule so that we can, we can all, you know, kind of not get stuck behind the counter and, and just be in there all the time. And so it's, it's a challenge. I'm actually learning it right now, you know, with, with, with our new business, uh, we, we, we have a lot more people involved and, yeah, but but at the same time, we have a lot of people who can guide, who can be in the shop, and and with three owners, it allows us to do that. So it's it's something that we're um we're aware of. But yeah, it's it's hmm. funny you ask that because that that does I think happen, right? And yeah. It, it's uh, if you can't get outside and enjoy, you know, all yep. the all the, the stuff that we got into this for, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear mm-hmm. you. No, I,
1: I appreciate it. that's a good that's, uh, good perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, so maybe we could dig into a little bit on Argentina and uh, I don't know if you have a you know, two months down there and all that stuff is pretty amazing. Do you have a kind of a most memorable trip you could share with us and how, how it all went down? Oh man.
0: Boy. <laughs> I have <laughs> a lot of I have a lot of well, my first year my first year in Argentina, we were we were in this little town of Junin de los Andes. So there's you know, if you think of, if you think of Argentina, I I, I always compare Argentina to kind of the, you know, you know, think of Montana down to northern New Mexico. Hmm. And so if you, Montana being kind of northern Patagonia and traveling all the way down the Rockies to northern, you know, New Mexico or even further would take you down to the bottom of Patagonia, Argentina. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of variety there, but you know, we, we ended up in the north in, in the province of Naokan to start. That That's just kind of where we we first went. And, and I'd like to, you know, at some point, Dave, talk to, you know, we kind of got into this, you know, you and I, before we got into this mm-hmm. interview, had talked about sharing some tips with people so they could do yeah. this on their own. So I've got. I've got some just bullet points that oh, cool. I'd like to share with people as, as you know, we get into this, but you know, maybe my first memorable trip, maybe one that really kind of is important. And, and the, the big picture was the year 2002, 2003, it rained for three weeks straight hmm. and all the rivers blew. It was March. Like everything went out. It was gone. Fishing was just, it was impossible. And I'm talking rivers came up where you couldn't even float them. Hmm. And so I had this book. There's a book, it was kind of the book that got me to Argentina. It was, it was written by William Leach. And it was, it's out of print now. It's the Argentine trout fishing. It was, he, he was a Peace Corps guy who wrote this book in the 80s. He traveled around in a VW van and, and fished Patagonia and wrote this book. And if it's it's one that i recommend i still love traveling with that book down there because a lot of the things he wrote about back in the 80s are still still consistent with today i'm so sure certain things have changed but it's just a good read and a good reference mm-hmm. and so i as i'm reading through this book it talked about the boca of the chimmiwin river the boca boca's the mouth it's it's the inlet okay. or outlet and so this river's really famous for for big fish that move in and out of the lake and and gets a lot of migration. Which species are these? Well, you have brown rainbow trout and you also have, you can catch, uh, they did introduce Atlantic salmon to this lake, Mm. but you're really looking that in the fall, March being fall down there, you're looking for brown trout that are either moving out of the lake, down the river to a different tributary downstream or up the river, into the lake to find a trip. So you get, you get a ton of migration And this, this, when the water gets high, these fish will stack right at this, this big mouth. And I had read about this and thought, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm down here. I'm going to fish. So it was hard getting up there. I would take, you know, I would hitchhike. I would take a bus. I would take a taxi. I, uh, I, I just, I I couldn't afford a rental car. Rental cars are the one thing in Argentina that, uh, Are really hard to come by, and buying a vehicle is not an option. Mm-hmm. The the amount of papers that mm-hmm. you will go through, and being a foreigner, and and then trying to even sell it, I mm-hmm. wouldn't recommend it. So, I didn't have the money to pay you know sixty, seventy, eighty dollars for a rental car every day. Mm-hmm. So, I just would get up there and you know fish. And so you're dealing with these these huge winds that come off the. The, the prevailing winds come from Chile right up over the Andes, and they 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 blow a ton of food into this river mouth. You get you get crabs, crab. There's a ton of um. It's called the pancora. It's it's a crab pattern. It looks a lot like a crayfish. But this food, along with bait fish, will get washed in, and these big lake fish come in and feed. And then these migratory fish are coming up. And so I I fished this this river for you know probably. 10 days straight without hooking a fish. It was a lot like steelhead fishing. Mm-hmm. And after about 10 days, there were three or four other locals and people, people are kind of quiet there, right? Until they see you. Cause a lot of people read about, like I didn't show up and fish at once and take off and never come back. But, but a couple of these guys ended up, you know, talking to me and seeing me paying my dues and struggling with, with the weather and the casts and all, all that stuff. And, um, I've, I finally became friends with them and that, that, those, those three guys ended up that today are some of my closest friends and are a big part of why I'm in Argentina. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that, that's probably the most memorable is fishing the Boca of the Chimmyland. And, uh, I remember catching my first fish in there. I was in, I was in this just below the lake 100 yards downstream first light in this just beautiful brown took this kiwi muddler off this kind of knee-deep water and i was all by myself up there it felt so good though after like two weeks of (laughs) struggling with the wind and the rain and yeah you know just getting beat up to finally catch one that's uh, That's yeah so i think that that's probably that's probably and that river is a great river um later in the summer too it's just a yeah, the Chimney Winds, one of the truly special rivers in that in that area. Nice, nice. How did you? So you. Uh, it sounds
1: like you know that might be one tip um, as far as connecting locally. But how how did you find? Um, you know, do you have a tip there as far as getting the local knowledge? Like you you chose a river, and like if somebody's going down there or wherever, you know, what's the best way to? Maybe it's just that. Try to find those local connections, or I mean, if there isn't a, sh- a shop nearby.
0: There, there are some fly shops now that, you know, when when I was down there, there, when I first started going down there, you know, early 2000, there were a few shops around, but they were pretty basic, and they're they're not like in the states where you go in and they share information with you, right? They kind of have some flies, they have some fly lines, maybe a rod or two, and you know, they'll share some basic information today there are a few more shops around but it's still hard information's what's hard to come by and so so that's the challenge right and that's kind of what i'd like to share with people you know because i i had such a hard time finding finding out how to get to places or how to think about you know fishing down there lodging Mm -hmm. getting around and so What I'd recommend there, there's something, there are in most towns, there are, there's something like a chamber of commerce and it's a, it's a good place to start because you can, they usually have bilingual people working there because of, you know, they're there to help tourists, you know, who come in, you know, get around. And so I would start there. I, I would look at, you know, towns like San Martin de los Andes, Junín de los Andes, Illuminate with with their kind of, you know, uh, it would be centro de turismo, so the center of tourism, and that that would be a good start to just gather basic information on lodging and restaurants, and you know you can you can find out, you know, there, there's another book that came out, I think in oh maybe around two thousand eight, two thousand seven to two thousand ten, um, that that a guy named Barrett Mat Matson or it's fly fishing Patagonia, the Trout Mom's Guide to Argentina. And it's okay. kind of a it's real similar to, you know, the Argentina trout fishing book that that Bill Leach wrote, but it, it's it's a little bit more current. The stuff it doesn't talk about, those are good those are good guides for like here's the river, here's the you know, the fish you could target, here's some of the food that the fish eat, maybe a basic map on how to get there. But what's hard is like where the heck do I stay how do I get gas? Where do I rent a car? You know mm-hmm. Those are the things that I always found challenging in Argentina, and then the language the language barrier, because that's another one um, that that keeps people from really you know getting to know locals right mm-hmm. And, and uh, mm-hmm. as you get into you know some of the, some of the bigger towns now, a lot of the younger kids, younger people, do speak English. But when you get into more remote areas, you know, you, you, we would just, I, I was fortunate. I, I, I had a, you know, I was able to speak Spanish and, and kind of make friends and, mm-hmm. you know, you gather intel through, you know, drinking wine at a asado all night. And <laughs> someone says, you should go up here. Here's, you know, my family owns this ranch. Nice. Here you go kind of thing. But, um, the, the, the hardest thing is just the, yeah, getting around huh. and, but I will say this, so so that being said, you know, if you, if you look at Argentina, I don't know where we want to go with this, but at some yeah. point I really would like to share, Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, how to do this totally. with I think, people.
1: I think, um, well, one thing, you've noted a couple of books and things like that, and I just want to make note that this episode will be at com slash Justin will be the URL, and folks can get all these uh, links and things you're talking about here um, for resources. But, uh, yeah, maybe you can just go um, – Todd, you had some bulleted lists as far as DIYing it. So if somebody wanted to go down there, you've already given a few tips here, but maybe you can just walk through those bullets and, and kind of describe some of the best tips you have.
0: Okay. So 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 stuff, you know, stuff, if, if I was doing this, you know, I, I have people occasionally shoot me an email and say, hey, you know, I can't afford a lodge. I want to go to Argentina. You know, how how do I go about it? And, and you know, that was me, right? Like I could never afford to, you know, go to a – go to a lodge in Argentina and get on a private estancia. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always, you know, approached it from, all right, I'm down here. You know, how do we do this? And so, you know, first thing, you, you you fly either into Buenos Aires or to, you could go to Santiago. And those are kind of your major cities that you'd fly into. How you get from the city, either city into Patagonia, you, you can take a, a 10 to 20, 25 hour bus. Uh, trip which is interesting and fun if you have time. I've done that <laughs> many times. And and uh if you have the time that's kind of a neat experience. If you if you don't um want to be on a bus that long, you can uh you know fly right into Patagonia in 2 or 3 hours from either city. And and uh once you're in Patagonia, there are rental cars um but the rental car is is really tricky because you know, one, you're going to, for a little kind of two, two-door, two you know, kind of Ford or Volkswagen that really can't get you out on dirt roads, you're still paying 60 to $80 mm. per day, and and you have limited kilometers. Mm. And so that's what gets you, right, is yeah. everything so spread out. And and so you take these little cars and you drive them in places you shouldn't really drive them, <laughs> and then you take them back and you owe almost as much as you paid in rental for you know you owe for the extra kilometers and so it's right. it's, it's huh. to get a truck if you if you're looking at a Toyota truck you're probably looking at close to 130 to 150 dollars per Jeez. day and so that's that's the that's the expense right so yeah. you know you you know you go down there with a couple friends and you say all right that's a big part of our budget yeah. is the uh, is the truck now that being said if you're going to camp which is really possible. It's really, it's, it's fun. Argentina, a lot Mm. of college kids, a lot of people hitchhike camp throughout Argentina, Mm. you know, throughout Patagonia in the summer. That's a big deal there. So you'll see a lot of people out enjoying the outdoors and, and just kind of hanging out and you, you can definitely do that, um, during the summer months. And so, you know, let me take a step back December. So no, the, the fishing season in Argentina, runs november through may some places close their fishing at the end of april because the the fish are spawning in may but you know really november through may november is is a lot like um it's a lot like may and june in kind of the montana idaho you deal with a lot of runoff you still have kind of that wet spring cold weather by december you're into kind of early summer and the rivers have really come into shape you've got good hatches starting. Um, and I'm kind of talking about the nail Ken province where, where I spent most of my time and, and, you know, but you would apply this to even stuff further South by January, February, you're in mid summer, great time to be fishing down there. But what you run into is all the, all the families are out of school, just like in the States. Right. So all the kids get out of school mid December and January, February is, is, um, Summer. And mm-hmm. so everybody's traveling in towns and hotels and, and and places can get crowded and rental car prices and everything uh, yeah. goes up during mm-hmm. those months. So that's important to know if you're doing it on your own, right, mm-hmm. that that that, uh, that December 15th till the end of February is a is an expensive time and even a hard time to get around because of the crowds. Right. So maybe March,
1: March, April might be the better Times to hit hit it there. I
0: I think for a di- y- y- yes, and and that's kind of what we M- March and April. If you don't, so this is another thing that March and April um, allow you to do if you don't have access to a boat is the rivers by March and April are lower, and so now you you have a lot more access, mm-hmm. walk access to rivers that in the middle of summer are really big, high flowing rivers that you really can't fish well on foot, and so. March and April are are not only less crowded, but they they just you have more more weight access because you can cross things that you normally wouldn't cross in the middle of summer, Mm -hmm. you know, without a boat. And so, yeah, that those are the things I think that are really important is like, when would someone go down there on their own and have good access to fishing? And that that I, I think that March and April is is a good time frame. Now, March and April fishing is, you know, you, you start getting into some cooler nights. It's kind of like September here, right? September, October weather where it starts cooling off. Uh, the mayflies, you know, start showing up. But you get those big migratory fish moving around. Mm-hmm. Cool. And that that's a lot of fun. So once you get to Patagonia, you got to look at, you know, where you how much time i think you need time down there yeah like what, what would something. be a, a
1: minimum like a like a 2 weeks 2 weeks week, 2 weeks week is minimum and, and what would and that's a, pro- a, would, would uh, what would be the your best case scenario
0: like, i think you need a month yeah. to 6 weeks okay. and i think you need to you need to really kind of set that time aside and if you had 2 to 3 people who could split expenses and you mm-hmm. had you know a month to 6 weeks and i would start north and well, I, you might start north. It depends on the time of year, but you could start north and travel south. And, uh, you know, if if you're – I'm going to throw out a couple provinces here for, you know, kind of – I would almost compare them to, you know, the Montana, Idaho, Utah, Colorado, and that would be – so if you looked at the Neuquen province in Argentina, there's rivers like how the do, Chimilin. How do you spell that? Ken? Yeah. Yeah, so N-E-U. Q U E N. It's Neuquen Province. Okay. That that's a that's a great place to do it yourself. There are a lot of rivers that you can get out and wade fish, and um, good access, and just just a great place to kind of base out of. Um, tons of, tons of water. One one thing in Argentina that you know it's 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 like montana you can walk high water mark so there's no mm-hmm. private bottom but the problem with argentina is you have a lot of willow trees that line the banks and so those willow trees if you have to stay in the water there are places that you just can't walk and and it's it it just is impossible to stay in the water so the willow trees make fishing on foot very challenging mm. But in the national parks, which a good part of the Ken province, the headwaters of a lot of these rivers that I've been mentioning, like the Illuminae, the Chimiwin, the Kojonkura, the smaller streams up in the mountains start in those national parks. And all of that, there's good camping and good walking, and there's some great, great small stream fishing nice. to be had in these in these national parks and, and what type of mm-hmm. um you know when you get in
1: there say if you go into uh, the province you're talking about what what what's the technique there on fishing
0: just kind of a quick little summary you know um you you really it's not as technical as it as it is maybe say on the henry's fork here you need a good selection of you know dry flies so i'm i am you're not going to really focus on hatches. You can on certain rivers, but you need a good, you need a good selection of, you know, size 10 to size probably 18, you know, patterns, maybe even eight. You, you're going to fish a lot of terrestrial stuff hmm. um, in in February and March.
1: So what are your, if you had to say your top two or three patterns that you, you're going to go to? Well, so,
0: so a big, a big Chernobyl pattern. There are a lot of big beetles, okay. um, big ants, big, big big stuff like that. So a Chernobyl pattern is great because you can change the body material, right? So mm-hmm. you can, you can mix it up, but it's just the, those fish, you know, like, like those big kind of foam patterns, the big Browns, especially. So, you, you know, beetles, ants, uh, dragonflies in the summer. So that Chernobyl pattern can really be any of those depending on what you use for the body okay. material. Do you guys have some, uh, some links
1: to some of the patterns you use on your website or somewhere out there?
0: We, we will, okay. uh, we will this fall. We okay. we don't at the moment, but we will have our patterns out there this fall, oh, perfect. but a big Chernobyl pattern, you know, a variety of nymphs, um, are good. Uh, y- you know, again, you know, 10 to 18, cause you go from, you know, there are some stonefly nymphs, but you have a lot of caddis, a lot of mayfly stuff. You want to have stuff that sinks fast. You also want to have stuff that, that doesn't have a lot of weight that you can sight fish, you know, like, like a Sawyer nymph, um, just you know, it's the pheasant tail with with a nice kind of copper thorax that just sinks just under the surface. That's a great one. But you know, flies aren't flies aren't um you don't have to get too too mm-hmm. you don't have to match the hatch as much as you do in other places, but you need a good good variety in sizes and then streamers and crabs. So if you really want to go to Argentina and target like those big browns, they're eating they're eating crabs and they're eating mm-hmm. bait fish. And people people who who you know they say I want to catch that fish well you know that's what you're gonna be fishing or a big big beetle or something but you're usually fishing subsurface stuff okay. for those big guys nice. um, so as you hit Naoken if you come south you get into Rio Negro and there's the city of Badi Loche sits right on the 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 uh, a big lake called Nauwapi, and the Limaya River which is a famous river that uh, produces some incredible brown trout, um, st- basically is born right, right outside of body Loche and it flows North and meets up with a lot of the rivers from the Okan and then cuts across the country and hits the Atlantic. And so that Lee, river, when you really want to look for, you know, that fish is, is a great place to do that. And it's, it's got a, um, an interesting scene, you know, March and April, you get a lot of people spay fishing the river mouth, uh, you've got a kind of a, it's a new thing. It's a younger group of guys who are, you know, kind of, you know, picking up spay rods. And again, it's a great place to do it because you don't have backcast room and it's big water. And, uh, but the, the province of the Rio Negro where the Lima is, is not a great place to fish small streams. It's just, there, there aren't a lot of options. So I almost would tell people to, you know, check out the Limay, maybe check out the lake, but then head further south to the next province of Chibut. And that's spelled C H U B U T. So, Neocan and Chibut are the two places where I think you have, you know, if you're a trout guy looking to really explore the middle of, of Patagonia, Argentina, those two provinces would be the places I'd spend my time. And Chibut is is different climate. Up in Naokin, you have a lot of high desert. When you get into Chibut, you start running into, you know, a little bit more rain. You're closer to the Chilean side, and uh, you have some really neat, you know, big rivers, spring creeks, lakes, uh, fun, fun place to uh, to hang out and fish. And those, those two provinces, boy, you could easily spend a month to six weeks between them. Yeah, that's
1: cool. Um yeah, I was thinking about the nymphing. This is kinda of more of a general uh question, but you know, when you're detecting strikes, is that something that's fairly easy? Do you have any tips there? This is maybe more of a general just nymphing uh question that that that, that I get, you know, quite a bit. But you know, when if you are fishing nymphs, are you kinda of doing it the standard way down there or, or is it like you would up in Montana or is it a little bit different?
0: You know <laughs> that's <laughs> it, Well, I, I typically in Argentina don't fish, you know, I'll fish a dry dropper, but I don't do a lot of, um, I don't do, you don't see guys using a lot of like, like indicators and just running an indicator down a river and just fishing a slot. We'll fish, you know, we'll fish a lot of dry dropper stuff. If I'm in canyons in pocket water, I'll just kind of tight line them where I'll keep my, you know, just kind of fish a slot and just feel, but, but a dry dropper is, is probably more of what I do. Um, okay. and, and, uh, I, I really, I really like what I love in Argentina. I love fishing big dry flies and moving them. We fish a lot more action on the flies down there and you get some really aggressive takes and, and I love streamer fishing down there. Streamer fishing, uh, really covers the water and, 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 and a lot of those really big fish will come out and look for a a crab or a bait mm. fish imitation. And then you do get those, those those little windows where you'll have caddis or you'll have a mayfly hatch where some big fish will get up and feed. Uh, and, and that's fun. But I think we, I think, you know, people go down there with too light of a rod or too soft of a rod. Oh, yeah. I, I'd almost say the rod you, you know, if you were going to take one rod for trout, you almost need just a, a really solid six weight. You know, and when you're here in Montana and Idaho, Yellowstone, we tell people, you know, you can almost do it all with a five, but. Yeah. I'd say Argentina you need you need a good six. And you have the the
1: wind too, right? Is that a factor down there or the heavier it is. is gonna help a little yeah. bit?
0: Yeah, wind is a big deal. It's it's something you know you learn to row in the wind there, you learn to fish in the wind, you, you learn not to fight the wind or it just it just beats you. So you, you learn to use the wind to your advantage. But it can make for, you know, some great days. Because those big fish come out when you when you have real windy days or you have real kind of, you know, low light. Those 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 days where just a lot of people stay home, that's when those big fish come out, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the same here.
1: Cool. Yeah. Cool. No, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I want <clears throat> to follow up on a few more tips, but this is great. I think it gives, um, you know, folks an idea how how to get down there, maybe a few areas to start and do some research. And, you know, of course, you can do the whole Google and do a bunch of um, – research there but i i want to check with you you know we talked to i think you've got a pretty interesting life story you know with your connections and stuff is there anything uh, you know a story throughout your history that um you know you think about that really had an impact to to get you where
0: you are today oh man i i don't know if there's there's i don't know if there's one one story but i would just say there's just been a lot of Really incredible people who have, um, just kind of, yeah, just, just shared a lot with me along the way yeah. uh, from, from guides to people in the industry. And, uh, I've just been really fortunate to, you know, just kind of connect with them and, mm-hmm. and kind of see that you can, yeah, you can make a career of this and yeah that,
1: and that, it's that, been a lot of fun. That, that's you know, kind of one of the tough, uh, the tough things I've talked to a lot of people and, you know, um, you know, I think fly fishing is such a small niche that um, it is a challenge, right? Um, I mean, I'm sure you have lots of challenges, you know, kind of doing what you're doing. But uh, do you have any tips for anybody out there that wants to, you know, wants to get into it, maybe have a fly shop or a business or, you know, how to how to kind of get to where you're? It sounds like you connected with some amazing people along the way. Uh, I, I've told
0: a lot of the young guys at the shop now uh, that that are here working with us at Big Sky Angler's, and I've I've encouraged them before they have a house payment and they have kids and 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 car payments and all that kind of stuff to to get out and travel and and fish and just just meet as many people and and fish as many different places as you can and and make those connections. You know, I look back at you know those those ten years of traveling before kids and and uh, you know we traveled all over Argentina and met people from, from Northern Patagonia to the bottom of Tierra del Fuego. And those people today are the people that I work with as, as you know, I've, I've guided in Argentina since 08 and we didn't really get into that. That's another, mm-hmm. another deal. But, you know, those people that I met along the way have, have been, you know, um, the people that today as, as we start this, this new fly shop, um, are the people that I'm, 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 you know, working with and it's, it is a small world. And, uh, you know, the same thing in the States. I did, I did fishing shows from Washington to Southern California when I was working for Eric, Mm. we did those for about three years. And, and I would, uh, the people that I met at these fishing shows from, you know, Seattle to, to Denver to, you know, um, you know, I, we ended up in LA one, one year, those are people in the States that I, today I'm working with. And so I, I think you want to get out and just, Just fish as much as you can and travel and meet people Mm -hmm. and and uh, and and just keep just keep sticking it out. You know, it's it's uh, it's not easy, but it seems like the longer you stay in it, um, you you know, you just you're if you if you can if you can build those connections and maintain them, uh, you all kind of help each other, uh, you know, stay in this. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great group of people to work with and mm-hmm. man, it's, it's allowed me to travel and I love traveling Yeah, that's right. And, and fishing new water, you know?
1: Yeah. You've, you've, uh, not only, uh, Argentina, but you've traveled a few other places around the, uh, some other destination areas.
0: Yeah. So I've done a little, you know, in South America, I've done, done a little bit and I've been, been starting to explore the Golden Dorado in Argentina. I, I kind of got spoiled. I, I ended up, fishing uh bolivia to start for golden dorado and, mm. and that came through a buddy that i met in southern argentina on a steelhead river years ago and he he was he he's now been in bolivia for a long time running the some of the stuff with Simone and so i was able to go in there and check that out but i got the bug and i've been checking out some of the fisheries in northern argentina for dorado and what a fish on the fly man i i uh <laughs> i can't say enough about it it's just uh a really fun fish to uh, to target on a the fly. They're just they're just aggressive and they get up in the air and they're fast and powerful. And I've told people who come from trout you know trout fishing they really connect with Dorado because they reading the water is similar. Like if you think about floating down a big river high water, you know throwing a big big streamer at the bank and hoping a big brown's going to come off and find it. And that's what you're doing for Dorado. And, and the Dorado can, you know, be 10, 20, even 30 pounds and you're, you know, they're just, um, they're vicious and, and, and just fun. They just, yeah. Yeah. Great fish. That's awesome. So that's something, that's something I'd throw out. It's it's hard to do on your own. That's something I didn't really kind of mention as a do it yourself kind of thing. But if you're in Argentina and you want to check out Golden Dorado, it's a little more accessible than uh, Bolivia's. Um, and, uh, I've done, I've done a little bit of stuff. I go up to Canada every year and kind of steelhead fish some and mm-hmm. that's something I really love to do. Um, cool. and, and, uh, it's fun fish and
1: yeah, I've been a few other places. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, uh, but it, anything on your uh, bucket list that, uh, you know, that one place you haven't been to, you want to get out to?
0: Yeah. You know, I I really want to do, I, I really want to do, uh, Norway and, and I, I want to do it. I, I know the fish in there is kind of. You, you hear you, you hear mixed mixed kind of reviews, but I I, I want to go spend a couple of weeks and and just drive around and you know try to catch a fish on my own and and, and do that kind of thing where you know I will never probably be able to afford one of those 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 high end rivers, but that's okay. I I just like to go over there and just kind of experience Norway and and uh, try to catch a fish fish over there, mm. and uh, that that's that's one you know i i yeah that's on my list nice nice yeah i was just listening yeah.
1: to uh there's a few podcasts i listen to in the fly fishing space and uh and anchored is one definitely i've listened to a bunch of those and actually uh uh april who i'll have on the show um uh, as well but uh, she was interviewing a guy from the norwegian fly uh, club i think is what it was called but uh yeah it was a pretty interesting uh episode he went into all about uh you know, the lodge they have there. And actually they talked a little bit about how you, there is a little bit of folks that do kind of do it yourself. So there are ways that, okay. you know, you can get down there. And if you, you can still utilize some of their resources, but you don't have to hire a guide. And, you know, it sounds like it's, I've never fished for Atlantic salmon, but it sounds like it maybe is even more challenging than steelhead, which is definitely, right? definitely <laughs> you should have some time. I think your, your, yeah. your four to six week thing is amazing. And I've, I've done, I've done, well, a couple of long trips. I did one that was a six-week trip, uh, you know, and it is, if you can do it, it, that's that's pretty amazing stuff. So, yeah, that's what they mentioned there, though. If you can, do it a, a little more time. I, I think, you know, maybe a couple weeks would be good over there, but um, just all depends on what you have going.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, you know, when you do these do-it-yourself trips, something I've learned in, in, in is... Uh, if you take three weeks out of those three weeks, I've kind of, I've, I've done a number of these. I think you might get like seven to 10 days of really special fishing. And then you have another handful of days where it's, it's okay. And then you have another, you know, seven plus days of just nothing. And, and it's, it's, it's just a bust or you, you, you just, nothing really works out. But that's part of that do it yourself trip and and that's the fun is is not knowing and uh, I've kind of really come to like that and accept that so you know I I always tell people that when they say I've only got a week to go down and do it on my own I say man if you only have a week you know it's really hard to to uh, and you have such high expectations at times going places and so you you need extra time if you're going to do it on your own but Yep. That that that's the stuff we were talking about. Where you do have time to be at a bar and you meet some locals, or you're out on the river and get talking to someone, and they say, "Well, hey, you know what? I've seen you here a couple of days. Why don't you come check this out?" And that that that's a fun part of having the time and doing it on your own, right? That's a that's a cool thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is probably one of the biggest tips is
1: just get some more time. Do you have any other tips you would recommend? Oh, boy. Just for, Um, I mean, I know you've thrown out a lot here. I don't know if we missed anything as far as other DIY
0: kind of tips. You know, heading south, um, what are some other things that I wanted to uh, mention? You know, there's another book that's kind of fun. It's called um, a guy named uh, Cameron Chambers uh, wrote this. It's called Chasing Rumor. And he, he, uh, I think Patagonia published this book for him a, a couple years back but it it's um it's really a fun he he talks about going down there i think I think Cameron's originally from Montana but he went down there you know maybe thinking he was going to write a fishing guide and it turned into um a very different kind of book and it's really cool cuz it talks about uh, all these things that um all these people he met and, and it paints a real different picture than just the how to, you know, where to fish. And, uh, I, I think it's a really cool read. And, and, uh, you know, a, as you go down there, Argentina is a different place. It doesn't, it, the pace of things aren't like in the States. Things don't always work like they do here. And you almost have to just keep a real open mind to, you know, how things work in other places. And, and just accept that, you know, the store closed at twelve o'clock today, and it doesn't open till six. And you say, well, how could that be? It's closed for five hours for a siesta. What am I gonna do? I need I need supplies. And so, what do you do? You go sit on the plaza and drink beer, meet locals. I mean, just 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 kind of roll with it and be open to uh, what each place gives you, and and don't don't um don't be in a rush. You know, I, I think I see yeah. people that come down and they, they just want to get to the river now and they want to get things done now. And you're like, Hey, we're not in the States anymore. You know, <laughs> we're in Argentina. And the beauty of being in Argentina is that things don't work like they do in the States. There isn't a set boat ramp. There isn't a set takeout. We got to, you know, if, if there was, there'd be a lot more people down there, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I kind of say, you know, just keep a real open mind to, to, uh, you know, what the place gives you. And, and just, um, yeah. If you get to know people down there, a lot of doors open. If you spend a little extra time just hanging out in towns and meeting people, it's pretty cool. What, what, uh, kind of fishing opportunities come out of that yeah for sure for
1: sure no that's cool yeah. i was just kind of thinking more maybe you can uh on big sky anglers talk a little bit about what you guys have going there for anybody that's interested and in, you know i know you're out in montana but uh, any just give us a rundown of what you guys do over there
0: yeah it's, it's really exciting man you know it's kind of it really is uh it really is a dream right now it's 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 been it's been uh Boy, so, so Joe Moore, Jonathan Heems, and, and myself, we've, we've all kind of outfitted in this area for, for the past 20 years. And we've all kind of worked together, you know, um, at times and, and, uh, Bud Lilly's, So, so we, before Big Sky Anglers, you know, the Big Sky Anglers has been around. Joe Moore started it a number of years ago. It was his outfitting business. And we, uh, we bought we bought Bud Lily's trout shop and it Bud lily's is is has been around since the 50s and it uh we 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 have realized uh one I knew Bud and I was fortunate to know him and 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 what an incredible guy and and, and you know as we're in in this location so we're at the Bud Lily's trout lo- shop location we've changed the name to big sky anglers, but we have people walk in that, uh, have been coming to, you know, Bud Lily's trout shop for over 40 years. Oh, wow. and they walk in and it's, it's really powerful to see, you know, people come in and tell their story, how they started fishing in West Yellowstone 30, 40 years ago with Bud Lily, gave them their first fly. They bought their first rod. And so, you know, in some ways it's, it's really big shoes to fill and, and, you know, one thing that, uh, I think we're doing here is we've got a great group of people, uh, who have come together, um, guides, shop guys, outfitters, you know, we've all joined to kind of form big sky anglers and, and, you know, just, just having fun in this. You know, we've all traveled a lot and, and, uh, you know, guided and fished on our own and, and to, to come together is really fun. So I think we have a, a great group of people and just, just, uh, wanna, Yeah, I want to share our experience with other people. And, you know, we have Idaho, uh, Henry's Fork uh, permit. So that's really cool because we get to guide over there. We have the Madison River close by. We have Mm -hmm. the Gallatin River. We have some great lakes just out of town. And then we have Yellowstone Park. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a really neat place to be a fishing guide or to do it yourself. You know, if you come here, some people say, boy, the Yellowstone crowds are so, there's so many people. And sure. That's true. But you know, a lot of those people aren't fishing No, and you know, you can drive 10 minutes out of town and put a backpack on and walk 45 minutes and not see anybody. That's else I was just going
1: to say, it's like the, uh, the national park thing where, you know, 90% of the people don't go fit more than 50 feet away from their car. You know, it's like you couldn't. So true.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's right. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you do? You, you get in an hour early before the crowds and you come out later and, yeah. and uh, you know and and there's just so much water i i drove i i was i drove to bozeman yesterday and was just looking at all these rivers and nobody's on them and uh they're just getting ready to come into shape yeah and yeah so we, we we have a really neat fly shop we do have a, a guide service out of the shop as well but we've got a a great shop with a great group of people and and uh you know it's 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 a fun place to uh yeah to be working mm-hmm. again i i uh Yeah, I never thought I'd find myself in
1: in this position, but it's
0: really fun. So, uh,
1: yeah, so what are your plans with the, um, I know you have, uh, you know, you guys probably have a kind of a plan with the business and things like that, but do you have any plans for, you know, you personally and, you know, your family and kind of where you want to, it sounds like, I mean, all the traveling you're doing, do you have any thoughts of moving down to
0: uh, South America? You know, we we have, so, so in in 2008, uh, my, my, I, my wife and I, um, we had our first child and and our daughter, Ariella was born in Argentina. And so through her birth, we, we all became residents of Argentina and I was able to become a fishing guide. So I've guided, I've guided in Argentina, uh, since 2008. Prior to that, it was just, just a fishing bum. And, uh, you know, when, when my daughter was born, uh, just life changed and, yeah, I had to put food on the table for, for more than just myself yeah. and wife. But we've been going back and forth for the past um yeah, since oh eight with the girls. They've gone to school in in San Martín de los Andes half the year and half the year here yeah. in West. And it's been a really neat neat uh neat thing to do with the family and the girls and, and I've kinda guided double seasons and so now with Big Sky Anglers, so to answer your question. I, um, we, we, we are going to kind of make West Yellowstone home and we've decided that, you know, Argentina, I will still go down there, but not for five to six months at a time like we have been doing. Oh, okay. So, so, you know, Argentina is something that, uh, I've got a number of buddies that I've worked with down there for many years and they're going to be taking on, you know, kind of a lot of the stuff that I was doing down there. And, and receiving people and I, I i will go down but uh west yellowstone will be home and i'm really excited about you know kind of building this fly shop and and making it a special place to to you know help people go fishing you know, whether they're going on guide trips or just looking for good information in this area and we uh you know one thing i always I'll always really like to do and and i want to get it into again is is teaching teaching fishing and and uh bringing people together so from tying clinics to we do a little spay event um, kind of focus on trout spay there's some neat trout spay rods out that are kind of fun and Mm -hmm. they apply to some of the fishing we have here in the fall so we've got a little event in september we're doing and you know we're doing doing you know clinics throughout the summer just kind of introduction to fly fishing and tying stuff and, and hopefully can do more of that. So I see myself getting more into teaching and, and really running the fly shop. And, and I hope to continue to travel, but I'll probably guide less and, and focus my time more in, in the shop with, with people. And, okay. and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a good place for me and uh-huh. I, I've, uh, I'm excited about to to be able to come back to to this because it's always that was always kind of my what I really loved about about this was was teaching and through teaching learning and bringing people in who have different experiences to also teach and that was that was always the thing I like most so um, I'm excited to get back into that yeah or have time
1: (laughs) yeah totally no that's cool yeah that's cool yeah well um yeah we're getting about there. I just wanted to had a couple more questions for you. Just thinking back to all your, you know, kind of do it yourself sort of travels and things like you've done. What what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned from all those years? And I mean, gosh, I didn't even realize you spent so much time, uh, you know, out of time down in us, you know, down south. What, what do you think? Is there something that kind of comes to mind that uh, kind of rings a bell and a big lesson learned from all of it?
0: Oh, I think that uh, through all the fishing I've done, you know, a lot of it has been around trout, but as I start finding myself, you know, getting into saltwater or say Dorado or, or even steelhead, there's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap in, 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 in how you approach just, just fish in general. So, you know, what I, what I learned trout fishing in Argentina carries over here in Montana or things I've learned here carry over there. And so it's, it's something that, um, the more I've fished, and the more more fish I've I've kind of, you know, been able to to target it, it. There's just um, there's just a lot of things that that kind of cross over, and and I think that's really fun uh, is to keep keep uh, keep trying new things, and I, I I love I love going after a fish or or trying to make a cast that I'm not good. At. I've got to a point where you know, it's fun to get humbled, you know, to come back and say, all right, like this just, just this just beat me <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, feeling like, all right, I, I you know, I, I want to figure this out. I, I want to catch that fish or I want to make that cast. And, you know, y- you can get so comfortable or, or get so good at one type of fishing, but to just keep exploring new things, is really, is really, uh, been a lot of fun. And and I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I think, um. Th- that's the one thing As yep. as i've done this and, and traveled i you know you asked me about norway and atlantic oh, yeah. salmon i want to feel that yep. i want to compare it to steelhead i want to people say the you know the water the water the the way they take, the way they fight, it's different. I mm-hmm. want to feel that. Yep. I want to feel what that's like, you know. And so fish, um, fish in
1: the uh, you know, fish twenty four seven up there. That, see what that feels like with you <laughs> Yeah.
0: See if I really. Yeah. When I. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk sometime after I do that, and we'll see if I really. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think this <laughs> right? is
1: great. I think this is a uh, real inspirational show for. I hope everybody out there that. Yeah, I know there's obviously costs and things like that, but there's costs of doing anything and I think it just depends that you know, if you want to travel, which you know something I want to do a little more of, then I think you gotta set your mind to it and you know, set some goals or whatever it is, just
0: just to, you know, just get out there and do it. So no, that's uh Yeah. Appreciate I will give that. you one more yeah, I will give you one more piece of advice is pick the right people to travel with. Yeah. That's 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 really and, and I, I, I I say that Pick a good group, and if you get a good group of your fishing buddies, that that's that may be the most important thing right there.
1: Yep. is be with the right people. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you met some people along the way down there, but that's like a different. That's sort of a different thing where you're you're kind of uh, you know you got your people you're down there with, but you're going to run into some amazing people as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. So, uh, so cool. So what do you, uh, in the next six months or so, anything, uh, you guys have coming up, you mentioned a couple of, uh, some seminars and things like that. Do you, do you have some b- stuff with the big sky or personally that you we
0: can keep? Yeah. So yeah, you know, this next, this next, uh, three months here, we have, we have a really busy season in West Yellowstone. We have good snowpack this year and, and we're, uh, you know, rivers here in the next couple of weeks are really going to be coming into shape and should be a re- we're just excited, you know, to have water and, and, uh, we should have a really good salmon fly, salmon fly year, um, on, on a number of rivers like the Madison, Gallatin, Yellowstone, and you usually get some golden stones mixed in and then July is kind of a caddis month and, you know then we hit august and and uh start start you know fishing terrestrials all over i love going up into that northern part of yellowstone park that northeast corner and yellowstone canyon and so the next probably three months three to four months will be spent around here and then we hit september and we kind of get into the fall and fall's fall's fun we get a we get quite a few fish migrating you know brown trout kind of moving into you know rivers out of lakes and so we've got a little spay event that we started last year and and uh it was a lot of fun we actually had simon gosworth come over and he's a friend from you know years ago and he uh he was kind enough to come over and help us get that going and so we have it's kind of growing and and have have a number of other companies coming in and that's a two-day event on the madison in the fall and uh yeah just fun it's a free thing and then october we're gonna be uh yeah just kind of you know that's time where we're things in montana the weather can change and you know mm-hmm. your fishing options are limited but uh, we have some fun fishing right around west yellowstone because the madison in the park has a little warmer water than other places you know it has the fire hole and Gibbon thermal thermal features on those rivers keep the water temps a little warmer in, in the mass and get some good fall run fish and and uh yeah joe and john uh my my, my partners uh here at big sky they head up and guide the missouri for three weeks in the fall and yeah so we kind of october's still busy for us and then you know by november we're uh we're kind of winding down and and just uh regrouping but we uh yeah the next five six months are going to be yeah we have fun we'll be we'll be fishing mainly in the states and Nice. Looking forward to summer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward mm-hmm. to uh, keep an eye on the the Simon uh, event. I think uh, Matt mentioned that, and that's that's really cool. I had Simon on the, uh, in episode nine, and he broke down some of the spay casting more of a, more of a steelhead focus. But uh,
0: no, that's yeah. cool. It Sounds
1: like you guys have some good stuff. I'll um, have links to all the notes you uh, you you talked about here. Uh, but uh, yeah, Justin, I just want to uh, thank you for coming on and uh, sharing your you know knowledge from. All your trips down south and all the stories. I mean, it sounds like you've had a pretty, you know, amazing uh, life and some stories in fly fishing and you're going to keep it going. So, yeah, I just want to thank you and we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on things uh, as we move forward.
0: Thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Great. We'll talk to you okay, soon. Okay, man. Okay. Yeah, bye.
1: thanks. All right. Bye. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash show to get this show and all the other ones. If you get a chance, it would be awesome if you can quickly subscribe to us on iTunes if you're getting some entertainment or enjoyment out of this one. And just want to say thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon. and hope to connect with you online or on the river. Later. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.